Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Saturday, the 30th of December. It is the, what would it be, the sixth day in the octave of Christmas, day before New Year's Eve. And our reading today is from the gospel according to St. Luke, continuation of yesterday's reading. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So, as I said, this is a continuation of yesterday. In addition to Zechariah awaiting for the glory of the Lord to refill the temple, and seeing that when Mary brings Jesus into the temple, we also have Anna, who is a prophetess. Anna, it says, lived with her husband for seven years, and then he died, and then she was a widow until she was 84. So she spent a very long time, it seems, a a big chunk of her life, in the temple, worshiping day and night, fasting and praying, waiting for the child waiting for, uh, what does it say exactly here? Well, it doesn't say specifically what she was waiting for. Zechariah, it says a little bit more. But she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. So you could bet, it's pretty sure bet based on what it says here, that she was awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem, and she felt that this had arrived when Jesus arrived when Jesus came into the temple. Anna lived a human life and then a contemplative life. Jesus then goes, and this is the only passage we have about the private life of Jesus, for from age 12 to age 30, all we see is that he goes home with his parents, he's obedient to his parents, we're going to see this again after the uh, finding in the temple, The child is going to grow and become strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So both with Anna and then what it says about Jesus, and one follows the other directly, we have a sort of like a human perfection happening or, or, you know, living a human life, but then we have a spiritual life. Jesus is becoming strong. He's growing. He's being filled with wisdom. And at the same time, the favor of God is upon him. And he's growing, you know, as Jesus can, because he's the God man. He's God, but he lives a human life. So therefore, as man, he is growing in his spiritual life. He's growing in his prayer life. He's growing in virtue. Not that he ever didn't have virtue, but still virtue is something that grows. We, you know, you could be without sin and still not be a person of virtue. I mean, (laughs) don't quote me on that. What I'm saying is we grow, we grow, (laughs) we grow in virtue. uh, Even if you're innocent, I guess that's what I'm saying. You could be innocent and virtuous. They're two different things. 
Uh, there's a lot of people that are innocent but not virtuous because perhaps they've never been tested, because they, perhaps they've never been corrupted. We, we certainly want to maintain the innocence of our children, yet uh, we want to train them in virtue as well because they're going to face challenges. They're not going to remain innocent, whether that's by their own choice or the choices of others in their lives. So I just wanted to talk a little bit today. It's a little food for thought about how both with Anna and Jesus, there is a human life and there is a spiritual life. Anna lives a life with her husband. And then when the husband dies, she devotes herself completely to prayer. It's later going to be the advice of St. Paul to widows. If you're a younger widow, you should probably remarry because chances are, you know, human nature is weak. And so therefore occupy yourself with the duties of a wife and a mother. Whereas if you're an older widow, devote your life to prayer and to penance and fasting and good works, etc. So there is this idea that you're getting ready for meeting God. Jesus is going to get ready for his mission, so he needs to be filled with the favor of God, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit. Yet there is a human growth. God made us human. He didn't make us angels. So we're supposed to live a human life. We're supposed to grow in humanity. Whether we're called to priesthood or religious life or marriage or whatever it is that we're called to, we are called to uh, to grow in our humanity, to become smarter, to become stronger. And so it reminds me of Pope John Paul writing to priests and seminarians, Pastoris Dabavobis, I believe it was 93, 94 that he wrote this, about the areas of formation. I give a lot of spiritual direction, and I always counsel people that it's very important to pay attention to all the different areas of formation. Pope John Paul, while the spiritual side of our formation is one of the four pillars, uh, he would say that's not what comes first. Very often in life, something that's better doesn't come first. It comes after some other things, such as in marriage. We say the couple is primary. The couple comes first, but the greatest good is the child that comes from that marriage bond. So, um, in the four areas of formation, which applies to the formation of priests, but it applies to everybody. Um, remembering, I believe it was Aquinas that said, grace builds on nature. It's such an important statement. And Pope John Paul's going to make that statement a cornerstone in his theology of the body. Um, Pope John Paul says human formation comes first, and then spiritual formation is the second pillar. So what does that mean? It means we have a duty and obligation to develop ourselves humanly. And I would separate that into two parts. I would say first is self-care, any healing that you need, things like that, but also working on yourself, hobbies, um, reading, things like that, although intellectual formation is going to come third. Um, anything we do to develop ourselves, working on ourselves, exercise, sports, uh, communal formation, learning to be a team player. Sports can be part of that, but also our friendships, our relationships, relationships with people of the same sex, relationships with people of the opposite sex, uh, romantic relationships could be part of that, but doesn't have to be. So there's so many things we need to do. Very often, if somebody comes to me for spiritual direction, I come to discover, and I've been in this place myself and receiving spiritual direction, we're not really ready yet to receive lessons on how to go deep in the mystical life because we haven't 
grown in maturity. We haven't developed our personal life. I know for myself, I still need so much maturity. I still need to grow so much in humanity. How do we define maturity? That's another great topic to get into with people and and ourselves. Maturity, a a big part of maturity is self-control. It's also a practical wisdom about how to handle life situations, common sense, um, how to relate to others, self-respect, things like this. Even just taking care of ourselves, grooming ourselves. You know, do I, (laughs) sometimes you have to ask the question, do you bathe? Are you using deodorant? My grandmother used to love to talk about that and say that she very often, she was very funny and she would be very direct with people. And sometimes she would tell people, you know, you ought to use deodorant or, you know, give me a comb. I'm going to comb that hair of yours because it's way out of place. So it's funny. We would laugh about that. But yes, so there's so many things on the level of human formation. Um, and the importance of growing in relationships. This is something I talk about all the time. Ultimately, heaven is one great big relationship. I can't really think to myself, what else? I mean, there's going to be a lot going on in heaven, but what else is more important than the relationship? Because Jesus tells us the golden rule. I mean, the golden rule is what heaven is all about. Number one, relationship with God. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. So relationship with self, relationship with others, primary importance, but secondary to relationship with God. So working on relationships, if we're not good at relating to others, if we're very self-centered, very closed off, um, how are you going to have a spiritual life? How are you going to have a ministerial work life, which is the fourth pillar? If you haven't started to develop relationships while growing in personal maturity, what happens very often with priests and religious is that the first pillar gets lost. It gets abandoned. Dr. Conrad Bars, wonderful author that I love, wrote a book for priests called I Will Give Them a New Heart. And in that book, he talks about how sometimes the seminary um, takes away from a priest's maturity or a seminarian's maturity becoming a priest. Sometimes maybe he had the maturity, he loses it getting into this culture of the priesthood. Sometimes he never had it in the first place, and priests go their whole lives without being able to have relationships. So what are they going to do when they get to heaven? You know, because we have to be be capable, be, you know, the, the spiritual life is about stretching us. It's about getting us ready for what we're going to face, you know, in heaven, what, what, we're, what we were made for. And that is all about relationship. If a priest comes out, says mass, does his work, and goes back to his room, and that's how he lives his life, um, he's not living life to the full, and he's not fully doing his ministry, and he's not fully preparing himself for heaven. So it's very, very important we work on all the human graces. And this is challenging because there's temptation in the world. There's temptation in relationships. So that's part of maturity, learning self-control. Learning, hey, if I have issues that cause me to maybe be addicted, to be obsessed with another person, to, um, you know, not be able to control myself, control my urges, lusts, things like that, okay, then this is all stuff we need to work on. Maybe even with a counselor, therapist, maybe with a support group. Uh, there's many great ministries in the church developing more and more 
to heal our memories and to heal our wounds from our childhood and the reasons that maybe we are dysfunctional in our relationships. So that first pillar, Pope John Paul was so big on that. His theology of the body is all about it. And this is what prepares us for the second pillar, which is the spiritual life. The spiritual life ultimately is going to be about just being with God, talking to him, listening to him, growing more and more into that intimacy whereby we feel his love, although we don't always feel it. We hear his voice, although we don't always hear it. Um, and we're faithful even when we're not feeling it, even when we're not hearing it. Uh, it's about going deeper and deeper into the heart of Jesus, connecting with him, being able to listen to him. So he may not speak to us mystically speaking, but he speaks to us in scripture no matter what. That's That book is his word. So we always have access to his voice as long as we have a Bible. Um. But yes, I mean, the prayer, it, prayer, you know, other sermons will be given where we get deep into like all the different types of prayer, but there's so much we can do to develop our spiritual lives. Like the rosary, for example, the rosary is meditation on the mysteries of the life of Christ, Jesus and Mary. But the rosary is also, it's a uh, repetitive prayer. As if we are saying to someone that we love, I love you over and over again. We're repeating words from scripture, the Our Father that Jesus gives us, that has so much meaning to it, so many levels of meaning. Repeating the words of the angel Gabriel and Elizabeth to Mary, singing her praises because of her yes to God, because of her immaculate conception, because of her motherhood, because of what she does for us, and then asking for her prayers now and at the hour of our death, which is so important. So in prayer, the different types of prayer, whether they be formal or informal, we're asking for things, we're praising, we're confessing our sins, we're thanking God for the beautiful things he's done for us, and there's a harmony that happens in prayer. We don't want to beat ourselves up in prayer. We don't want to think you have to be a saint overnight, but little by little, little by little, you learn to pray. Little by little, we increase our prayer. We increase that connection with the Lord. And there's going to be distractions in prayer. And I like to say, and I think this is in line with Pope John Paul's Theology of the Body once again, when you get distracted in prayer by the stuff of our humanity, uh, use that as a prayer. Take that to prayer. Why am I thinking this thought about this thing? You know what? Like a movie I saw yesterday. Why am I? Why is that coming up when I'm praying? Well, maybe there's a reason. Maybe the Lord wants you to think about that movie because there's something in there for you. There's a message there that you need to meditate on that you need to grow in. Uh, maybe we think about bad things when we pray. Maybe we think about good things. Bring it all to the Lord. Bring it all to prayer. Our doubts, our worries, our sins, our fears, but also our joys, our happiness, our families, our love. Bring it all to the Lord. The third pillar is our intellectual formation. We should always be learning, always be reading. It's embarrassing right now in our society. As society falls apart all around us, um, People are ignorant. I'm not saying rude. That's not really what ignorant means. We use that word to mean rude. It's not what it means. Ignorant, and one of our founding fathers of this country said that society will fall. This society will fall if we don't keep God at the center, if we're not men and women of virtue, if we're not men and women of courage, but also if we become ignorant. If we stop reading books, if we stop doing the research, if we stop having intelligent conversations, 
And that's what's happened in our society across the board more and more. People get their news from a Facebook headline. I mean, <laughs> it used to be people got their news from CNN or NBC or whatever, and a newspaper headline in the store, you know, Philadelphia Inquirer, New York Times, whatever. Um, now we don't even go that far, which is in some ways a good thing because there's a lot of lies being told in the secular media, even in the religious media. Um, so we have to be people that go deep not just spiritually, but intellectually. And one way to really increase your prayer life and grow in your prayer life is to read spiritual books. Read the Bible, but there's so many good spiritual books out there too that help us to go deeper. You know, when you love somebody, you want to learn about them. So if we truly love Jesus, we want to learn about him. We want to grow. We want to learn about the saints, all, all those other people that love Jesus and what their lives were like and how we can imitate them and how we can... Uh, Lean on them spiritually. <clears throat> so the intellectual life, and then fourthly is our prayer, our uh, our work life, and our ministry. That flows from the other three. And once again, very very important. And if we don't have that, we have to look and say, all right, what am I doing? Am I truly loving my neighbor if I'm not doing acts of service? Another thing that's so helpful in learning all these things, since it's all about love and it's all about relationship, I always highly recommend people to do the uh, five love languages. Go online today and say you want to take the five love language test. It'll take you 10 minutes to take and you learn your own love language, meaning the way you like to be loved and the way you typically love. And it's good to learn that because then you might become attentive to the other four as well. If I can name them off the top of my head, one is works of service. One is gift giving. One is affection. One is time spent. And do, 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 do. Uh, the other one's not coming to me right now, but there's five of them. <laughs> Works of service, gift giving, oh, compliments. We call that affirmation, but really affirmation is the other one, the uh, time spent. They say time spent is the most important one. But yeah, also, you know, positive words. So anyway, Anna and Jesus are telling us something today. The importance of our humanity. As we're getting ready for the Feast of the Holy Family tomorrow, uh, once again, it's all about humanity. Jesus was born into a family. He didn't come like an angel and hover above us and wave a magic wand and say, poof, you're saved now. And everybody in the world, sit around and listen. I'm going to teach you, and then everything will be great. No, he came and he lived among us. He took on our humanity. It is speculated that this is what Lucifer hates us so much for, that we... Uh, that Jesus became one of us. Jesus got his hands dirty in, in, in the most profound way. He became one of us and um, he lived this life of ours. He sanctified it. It shows that the life first and foremost is good because he made us in his image and likeness, but also it becomes even better when he becomes one of us. So we need to live our humanity to the full while at the same time gearing everything towards the spiritual towards a relationship with God, because in the end, that's all we've got. All we take with us is our hearts and our relationships. If we've forgiven everyone, if we've asked for forgiveness, if we've grown in love with God and with others. So let us meditate on that today and continue to enjoy Christmas. And let's continue to pray for each other. Have a great day. God bless you.